We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, joined by my dog nation, Amigos. Scott the Status Assassin, tell the people what's up. Go dogs. And Dr. J, tell the people what's up. Stetson who? <laughs> that is uh, that is true, my friend. If you're new to the show, please make sure to like and subscribe. Um, make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, even though I have not posted anything recently. Um, and please email us at titlerunsports at gmail.com. I am... Uh, Basking in the globe, the first written championship at my school in six years. Our school finished second in AAA football in Georgia in points allowed. Woot, woot. Not bad for a first-year D.C. I get to put that on my resume. Um, and we're trying to win the first playoff game since Obama was president uh, tomorrow. So a little bit of a big week for me. I have not been quite as successful in my coaching career at this new school as, say, Kirby Smart has been. So uh, last time I recorded it was four weeks ago. A couple of y'all texted me and called me and said, hey, uh, when, when's more content dropping? So we're squeezing this in between games because Zoom is stupid. We got 37 minutes to get this in, boys. Let's jump right into it. Um, oh, and by the way, somebody, this y'all going to laugh at this. Uh, somebody sent me a link to a podcast contest that 680 The Fan is doing and said, hey, you going to enter it? I was like, I don't know. If I have time, we might just do it. So uh, let's make this one extra good. All right. So since we last talked, guys, what's happened with Georgia football? Scott, you go first. Yeah. Recap since last time was uh, whooping up on Kentucky and Ooh, Florida. Yeah, yeah we the did. Ladder is especially always nice. Back to back bye weeks uh, between the Kentucky and Florida game, and then a close ish win against Missouri at home last week. I would not say it's fake close like you say sometimes, Scott. I think yeah, this right. is probably accurate because yeah. they were, it was a competitive game. Right. Never in doubt, but competitive. You agree with that, Jay? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, and after watching Missouri, um, I don't know if I'm more impressed with Missouri or more impressed with Georgia. Uh, Missouri is good. <laughs> that's to say Missouri yeah. is good. I was impressed yeah. with both. At this point right now, I am quite excited to see the Missouri-Tennessee game. I'm not so mm-hmm. sure. Uh, that Missouri is not the best team on our schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the way the way that we beat them on Saturday without our best stuff, I'll say, mm-hmm. um, was really pretty impressive. I'm annoyed by some things we saw in that game that we'll get to because I think. It's oh, you mean they're spamming spamming the all pi back shoulder uh, offense? Oh no, that doesn't bother me. It's more that we gave up a hundred yard rush for the first time in three years. Oh yeah, well when yeah we're, we don't we're stop not, the run anymore. Yeah yeah. I know. Anyways, we'll get there. Um, everybody thinks we're the best college, team in college football, except maybe the committee, or maybe they do, and they're just waiting for us to finish this three-game stretch where we beat the ranked teams so they can actually put us at number one. Which one of those do, y'all got, do you guys think is true? I would say everyone largely in the AP and coaches poll has us number one. Uh, if you look at any metric out there, I don't think there's any metric that we're number one in. That's fair. You know, And, and coaches poll and AP poll – historically have a lot more of the you know staying power of where you start kind of matters yeah right yeah, that's that's you true. know it's, it's like we'd have to really really struggle for a while to get bumped down from number one you know and having a couple wins like kentucky and florida where you really look like a number one team and you know beating a solid team in missouri 
that's enough to keep you at number one, even if other teams maybe have actually played just as well or better. Like, there's no real reason that we should be close to unanimous number one, other than that's just how the AP Where we started tends the year. to do things. Yeah, That's what I actually agree with. And one of the things that surprised me in the polls is how is Michigan not getting more number one votes, especially when people typically vote by the eye test? How are they not because they they haven't had a big name team that they've played? Oh, oh, enough, I know that. Right, I know that's the actual answer. But, yeah, yeah. But like, how are they? Yeah, it's, how it's is silly. someone not getting like Florida State's getting number one votes? Like, how is Michigan not getting some of those votes? Jay, right. as be, you know, because Michigan's hardest game would be the fourth hardest game on Florida State's schedule. Like, that's yeah, why. That's fair. To date, I mean, Michigan's we got some backloaded serious games. So. N- Nobody that Scott the Stat Assassin follows thinks that Georgia is number one. No. <laughs> as as Scott said, if you if if you look at the if you look at the metrics, if you're if you're looking at most of the statistical rankings, mo- most of those don't have that's fair Georgia number one. In fact, a lot of them, I mean, maybe even have them, you know, like around yeah. five. Um, but I think it's also true what you said, David that really most other people do have Georgia number one, just based on probably on the AP and coaches on the two defending national championships. Um, This was sort of the nature of the lively text discussion (laughs) uh, that we had among the three of us. Basically, what is the committee going to do when they came out with their first playoff rankings, which we all agree are completely insignificant and mean absolutely nothing, but David and Scott basically both making the argument that if you're actually just looking at yeah. the real resume, you could put Georgia yeah. five. You could no, put not Georgia six. six. Not six. Not six. Saying, not six. I guess no. No. Could. No. You That's could not. Technically six. true. It no, no. is not six, going to six happen. Six was never on the table at five the week that the rankings come out because Jay, the committee. Okay, fair enough. The committee starts with the undefeated Power Five teams. Yeah. That's the That's block. Right. There were five undefeated. Power five teams. So at that point in time, Georgia could be between two and five. I think when we started the text conversation, though, I don't think Oklahoma had lost yet. So I right. think that's where you're coming. Yes. Yeah. I, I was going right. to say, I don't, I don't think, I don't no, think no, no, right. it was fun. When we were talking about it before the Florida game during the bye week, Oklahoma was still undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And it was, so what we said at that time was, hey, if they ranked things now, there's a good chance Georgia would have been five or six because you'd have had the Kentucky win. And that was it. Now, yeah, also, yeah. this is part of why the committee, who tries to rank more heavily on schedule results rather than yeah. projection. That's why they wait. It's why they wait. It's also why the first rankings can be wonky. Mississippi State, Tennessee, number yeah. one. Oh, yeah. it, you know. Um, and, of course, it's also this year's unique in that the difference between number one and number five or it's number one large. and number eight is kind mm-hmm. of whatever. Like yeah. This is a year where a lot of people yep. – that pay attention to the analytics would say, Oh, I think George is the best team despite ranking between two and eight in every major analytic, because the difference in most of these is, small. you know, really small. And no one team is dominating several of these categories, right? Like the, the only Washington's team got- that's really dominating is Michigan. Who yeah. is also the biggest outlier on schedule schedule. Well, and Washington has the best offense by miles, but they're not, they're not great statistically on defense. And, and, yeah. and Michigan's got unbelievable defensive numbers. They're giving up six points a game right now. But yeah. they played a they played a JV high school schedule. And I'm not a right. big person to, to dump on schedules, but 
they've got a crappy schedule. And, and this is coming and, from a Michigan fan. In the last couple weeks, Florida State hasn't played their best. Mm-mm. Oklahoma lost. Washington yep. has not played their best. Has not. Mm-mm. So it's like a few weeks ago, all those teams would have been ahead yeah, of Georgia on the resume game. Thankfully, they've kind of stunk it up. And also, in the end, none of it matters. It's just literally do you win your games or not. Um, did y'all know, by the way, that if they had never, ever, ever used a committee and had stuck with BCS rankings to determine all the playoff teams, it would have been all the same playoff teams in all the same order every year of the 14 playoff? Yeah, I, I actually did know that. I, I remember seeing that. Um, it's so hard to, to predict what the committee's going to do. Going through the metrics real quickly, though, uh, second overall in SP+, Plus, which is one that if you're new to the show, we talk about a good bit. It's uh, the Bill Connolly catch-all. It's a, one of the catch-alls. It's a good one. Uh, we're sixth in offense and still fifth in defense, even though we're giving up 15 points a game, which is more than we've given up in several years. Um, FEI, we're number five. F-plus, we're fourth. FPI, we're sixth. And then uh, the 90th strength of schedule at this point. But, Scott, this is interesting that you put in here, or maybe it was you, Jay. The remaining strength of schedule is third. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even include the SEC championship game. Right. Now, so, I don't know how much that will – Change because Michigan probably has a real high strength of schedule yeah, in there. Penn State and Ohio State. Yeah, up, but I guess yeah. their title game would be a relatively easy. But yeah, but yeah like you said, third without even the the Bama game, probably. Um, Jay, I, to your point though, I I think like one of the issues is trying to distinguish. Just going back to the rankings thing, trying to distinguish between the best teams and the most deserving, and this is always the discussion that we all have, like. Everybody would knows that Georgia would probably be favored over Oklahoma or Florida State. This is I'm going back three weeks ago when they were still undefeated, both of them. And yet there's no question that those teams have better resumes. So this is always the debate is when we say the four best teams, is it who would win in a one-on-one matchup or who's the most deserving of that spot or some combination of both? Because as Nick Saban said last year, Alabama would have been favored over TCU by two touchdowns. But TCU deserved to be there based on resume more than Alabama. And there was that wasn't even a debate, mm-hmm. and so this is always what we get into. And, and so the committee, the committee does themselves no favors by using the term "best" yeah. a lot, and then Generative. voting um, only based on like strength of yeah. record as they see it. It's like they use that term and then and that, don't follow it at all. That's exactly right, and that and that's the nature of the conversation we were having. Really, is that we were talking about if you were to only rank the blind resume statistic only best teams mm-hmm. at that point which right georgia's resume you could have yeah. easily put you yeah. could have easily put it fifth and as scott says that's even what the committee says that they do it's really not what the committee the committee says really they're not. selecting the best teams but they mostly just blind right. resume rank it yeah. it's which is as we said for three years it's the highest ranking zero one loss power five teams yeah that's that's what it is um so <clears throat> It needs its own TV show, I promise. We are one of those teams, and uh, we're good at football still. It looks differently than we thought. I think we'd all would agree on that. Would you agree on that, guys? Um, So mm-hmm. I'll start with what's been better than expected. Carson freaking Beck. Holy crap. And so even some of you Georgia fans do not realize how good he's been. By the way, I'm trolling those of you because a month ago we told y'all to stop sweating Carson Beck and Mike Bobo because y'all said they sucked after four games. And now let me tell you what Carson Beck's done. Ninth in the college football 
Ninth in all of college football in passing yards at 2,716. By the way, that's more than Dylan Gabriel and Jordan Travis, who people say are Heisman candidates, which I disagree with. Not Jordan Travis, but Dylan Gabriel. Um, sixth in completion percentage at 72%, 72.2, which is ahead of Michael Penix, who's supposedly a Heisman favorite. Jaden Daniels, who is amazing. Shadur Sanders and Caleb Williams. Uh, he's on pace to break the single-season passing record that Stetson Bennett set last year. And he's on pace to break it in game 13. <laughs> so if the dogs make it all the way to the CFP championship game, he's going to shatter. He's going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,500 yards and 26 touchdowns. And that's if he doesn't go off and spray like five on tech in a few weeks and jack those numbers up. He's 13th in QBR, which is ahead of guys like Quinn Ewers and Drake May. And as far as the conference goes, we asked the question last time, is he the second best quarterback in the conference? I think that's been settled. It's Jaden Daniels, him, and there's no one else even close. And in my opinion, Jaden Daniels will have the Heisman voting in it today. So that's really high praise to put Carson Beck right behind him. Thoughts I, on I that, think, guys? I think a week ago, Jaden Daniels would have had a very good chance at the Heisman at that time. Yeah. But then he got hurt and his team lost, and that disqualifies him because Heisman voting is stupid. Um, I don't know because they literally were winning the game until he got hurt. And then – well, I'm sorry. Up, they were – they he were was in the game. Alabama yeah. in, until yeah. he let her. To me, it almost helps his case. But yeah, boy, he's, like, uh, he's he's had an awesome season. He's been really good. And to your point, yeah, I think Beck's been the second best quarterback in the conference. I, I think you could still probably make an argument for Rattler being in the same caliber as Beck. With nothing around him. Yeah, because those are very hard, very different comparisons. Um, but for what it's worth, you know, it's far enough into the season where a lot of the NFL scouting, whatever community starting to chime in. All the NFL people have Beck somewhere between QB6 and QB8 for this upcoming draft if he's As in the right draft, now. which would be about a third or fourth round pick. Now, obviously, you know, he could have an off game or two or a really big game or two down the stretch against a big team, and he could end up a little higher or a little lower than that. He could go, he could stay, whatever, right? But the, the NFL is agrees basically that he's the second quarterback in the conference and that he's been one of the better quarterbacks nationally. What's your take on him so far, Jay? If you could switch him for Stetson Bennett, Ooh. would you do it? Uh, emotionally or logically? <laughs> logically, to, to, to win football games. If you, if you could switch him for 2022 Stetson Bennett, would you I do might, it? I might because we don't have a run game and – that quarterback run element would be really nice to add to what we have with Dejon Edwards. I might make the switch. I, I would say probably not. Yeah. Just because we've been so reliant on the pass game. Yeah. And he's fair. been very consistent and reliant. But the reason that it's probably is the run game part, like yeah. you mentioned, David, yeah. because if you add the quarterback run in, then maybe mm -hmm. you don't, you know, you're a little more balanced or well-rounded. But you ain't getting that. You ain't getting none of those Tennessee scrambles, yeah, <laughs> or Auburn scrambles out of out of Carson Beck. Right. I mean, you you lose the scramble. I you might say at this point, um, Stetson would be an upgrade on the deep ball. That's which has 100%. Been a bit true. of a problem. That is true. Has been a bit of a problem for our guy Carson Beck. But man, on everything else, first of all, you also don't get the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Beck's demeanor is just rock solid. He he makes good decisions. He eats the ball when he has to. When yeah. you know when that's the right thing, 
man, in the in the short oh. and mid range game, yeah. um, man, he is just yeah. razor and, sharp. Um, and as we said, he's 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 probably going to break the passing records mm-hmm. set last year by Setson Bennett, and pretty soon, um, I, it it would be close for me as well. It it would be close for me. I might I might stick with the passing upside of Beck and his arm that is and his decision making. You, Jonathan. Um, I know, I know, but especially right since we haven't had yeah, the run game yeah. that we mm-hmm. had when Stetson. Like, if if we're going to really go all the way, we're going to have to throw it a it lot. Might be back. And yeah. um, you you might you might need Beck's extra gear in his arm to get that done. I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's very close. Yeah. Now, I I think Beck <laughs> as a first year starter versus Stetson his first year starting oh that's is, not even close uh, it's that's easy that's not even but, close. close but yeah. by the end of but by last year no. Stetson was a very good college quarterback um sure was. that's probably like we asked always this question was better than you hoped and expected that's probably the only thing that's been better would y'all agree with that uh, maybe 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 i think uh dejan edwards got put okay on that's there. fair that's maybe fair. edwards and and not because he's so much better than what we thought he could be but he's been as good or maybe a little bit better while shouldering the entire load at running back base. That was not supposed to be the plan. That yeah. was not supposed to be the plan. Like all of our running yeah. backs died. Roderick Robinson, we haven't seen that guy in two months. Kendall Milton, you know, just got another soft tissue injury, I'm pretty sure. We'll listen to this podcast. And <laughs> Branson Robinson is obviously out for the year. And then Andrew Paul is – I told you all what I saw in the fall, and you have to believe that if he was at all healthy, he would get in some of these totes. Um, so – and what's frustrating is every time you see Kendall Milton get like his third or fourth carry of the game, which is always one where he just like hits like a 15-yard run and looks like a million bucks, you're just like, dude, can we just put you in bubble wrap after every play yeah. and keep you healthy enough to I, run I, I think you're right that back – Beck is the obvious answer to what's been better than you hoped or expected. Um, Bowers has yeah. been what you wanted when he was healthy. McConkey has been as good as yeah, he has he's been really been. good. Um, I think Edwards has been as good as Georgia fans hmm. know that he has been. Um, okay, but the other one I would put on that list, and I think we said this in the preseason pod: if the offense is going to hum, it's going to be because Mike Bobo is going to hmm. be good, Carson Beck is going to be good, and ah, Ernest Green okay. is going to be good who has been kind of a rock already at left tackle. Um, He's he's the other one I would put on the list. He has just really, really been fantastic in his first season at that incredibly important position. And great. You, I don't know. What do y'all put this on here? I I don't want to overlook this. Kamari Lasseter is having an all SEC year. We talked about how we probably had the best safety. He's he's making some money. He made some money last week. David, have you seen? He made some money last weekend. I I mean, Luther Burden. Uh, is yeah. crazy good, and he got free maybe with a little mm. push off. It was a professional push off, is yeah. what it was. It's a push off that's sure. legal, sure but it was. still push off. Yeah, I, I was on, so I was at that game. Uh, <laughs> oh. Where I was sitting was basically right at the end zone line. That end zone where he scored that side of the field, and I was like, that was mm-hmm. a very good quality push off. Was like my immediate response. Like Michael Irvin would be proud of that push off. Sure. My and my point was, yeah, that was kind of it. Yeah, that was kind of it because they, they had been Lasseter was on, um, and that was, 
Yeah, yep. we in the world of defensive back play, which I know is what I do, we call that getting the straps put on you. So Bergen got the straps put on yes, for sir. three quarters. Lasseter, we talked about last year. I said I thought Lasseter wasn't really that good, but we were so good at safety and in front of him. And at the other corner, that didn't matter. That dude is really good now. How's, really how's his good. footwork, David? Do you just watch cut-ups of his footwork? I do not. I've seen enough of those guys in person to know – they, I mean, because the truth is they all have that. It's a lot of them. For the, the, what distinguishes guys like him from Dalen Everett and Humphrey is the ability to play the ball, which you know is always a struggle for uh, Georgia Stevens. Get backs. that head around. Get that head around. Lord. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, What has not been as good as expected? Let me start with this one. Arian Smith, where are you? <laughs> Ever since Lad McConkey got healthy, that dude might as well have his face on a milk cart. It- it, I mean, I don't even I don't even think it's as much lad getting healthy as it is just the drops. He had the drops. Yeah. And also he's never been somebody that uh adds a lot to the blocking uh aspect of things. Yeah, he ain't very big either. And if you're not gonna block and you're not gonna <laughs> catch the ball, the ball. You, yeah. And I'm sure there's you know, maybe some confidence related stuff going on. Receivers go through the drops, very ease, true. but He's still fast though, Jay. <laughs> he's he's still fast. And so what we're talking about is uh people that haven't been as good as you expected or hoped, right? And that's the big or there. Expected do Georgia fans expect Arian Smith to be really good this year? Probably not. Did we yeah. still hope it? Yeah. Well, you're darn right I, we did cuz he's, he's so darn fast. Like this will be the year. He's going to he's going to be yeah. healthy and he this has year been. and there's going to there we're going to have good receivers all over the field, and we've got a quarterback with a huge arm. This will be the year for Arian Smith. And I, I think you could been. still classify this very safely as below expectation because yeah, this is fair. dropping wide open passes, yeah. right? Like the the hope is, oh, if it can be healthy, there's the speed. Like this could be a serious top level weapon, but the expectation is also still he's going to be fast and get open and. Catch some of these, yeah. right? Like <laughs> you hope for Henry Ruggs, but you'll settle for like uh, Will Fuller at Notre Dame, like yeah. So <laughs> right, um, right. Dom Dom Lovett uh, gets added to the list. Ironically, the wide receiver group that has overall been very good. Yeah, both those guys have had yeah. their drops. Uh, Lovett seems to have figured the drops out. Yeah, you talked about that last he, podcast. Yeah, he also has. Forced zero missed tackles on like a million one on ones in the open field. No, I swear. is that right? No, There's no, no way. that's, that's oh, okay. an exaggeration. Okay, I was like, oh my gosh. It just lots of times skills. where he's catching short and intermediate routes, turning around, having space, him and a guy one on one, and he just barely gets tackled every time. And we talked about this. He's literally a catch and run receiver. That's what he did at Missouri. Yeah. Like that's his, that's his skill set. We talked about that. Yeah, and he hasn't caught the ball or made people miss in space. And it's like, oh, boy, it's, it's tough. So he might be back next year. I don't know what had happened to his uh, draft stock. Um, My other one that has been w- worse than I expected, not even hoped, expected. People can run the ball on us now, and it's so annoying. It's so stinking annoying that people can run the ball on us. Like – you start up early in the game when people have those scripted drives like Florida did, and you're like, oh, okay, you got three. You, you pulled up your three best running plays out of formations we never seen. You got like 25 rushing yards. Congrats. Let's see what you do when you empty the chamber in the second drive. Okay. Yeah. When, yeah. When it's not play action misdirection screens, you know? Yeah. 
And then, so like yeah. that happened in Missouri. And then I was like, it's the third quarter. They're, they're, they're still running the ball on us. So, yeah. So, but it, I mean, it, if you take out the quarterback run, right. It that's far in the season. It's really only been Missouri who did it with the tailback. Right. And now, and, and, David, I don't know if you want to break this down or not, but there was a lot of talk about yeah, this. It was stretch play. all game long. And Missouri running that stretch play over and over and over again and how good they were at it and how hard it is to stop. Um, also, you know, we had Javon Davis yeah. Johnson go down. Was it in the third quarter, I think, of that game? And um, what he is very, very good at is is the run fit. Um, so did that have something to do with it? I don't know. But um that's they've still been largely good, but it it was it was kind of hard to watch that, that Schrader kid uh, just continue to get six yards, seven yards, five yards, seven yards. Um, there was a lot of that. There was. I did not go back and rewatch the film to see what was the the problem, the breakdown. Because you know, for those of you new to the podcast, I'm the X and O's guy as the football coach. But what I will say is that stretch is an outside linebacker play. Stre- like. You beat stretch by beating blocks on the perimeter. That's how you stop stretch and stretch. And if you don't know, it's outside zone. Everybody in the offensive line is stepping to the side that the ball is going to. They're trying to get a reach block, which means they're trying to get outside leverage on the defensive end or the outside linebacker, pin them and run around them. And so as y'all put here in the notes, one of the things that's been not as good in our team has been the outside linebacker play. We don't have Nolan Smith or Aziz Aziz Ojalar destroying those blocks on the edge. And for the last four or five years, we've had outside linebackers that all the way back to the, the, the Devin Bellamy days, those guys beat blocks and we're simply not doing that. Chaz Shemus beats blocks in the run game. I can't tell you anybody else that does it consistently. And it's a problem. It's a real problem. Yeah. Even I, out of our I think a front. big I think a big part of it too is just the general interior disruption, right? Like how many zone plays are just dead before they start because Jordan Davis through the center or Jalen Carter is just living in the backfield. And then on top of that too, um, Chaz Chambliss is good in the run game when things are in front of him. I think he kind of gets probably crapped on more than is really uh, his actual responsibility. But with like Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith would also chase down those zone yeah. plays from the backside. And Chaz is not, just, you and, know, Chaz is fast, but he yeah, ain't Nolan but he's Smith not fast. Nolan Smith. Yeah, <laughs> he's not Nolan Smith fast. Exactly. So it's some of it is it's not so much that the guys there right now are just terrible. It's just that you were looking at Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and be like, good luck running at that trio, right? Just absolutely not going to happen. So, and and I will say, um, you know, I think there was maybe some hope or expectation for more from guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who has mm-hmm. the yes. frame and the type, you know, to be a guy that you would think might be able to really be impactful in the run game like that. He hasn't been a huge factor. He has some, been some injury stuff. Yeah. Some yeah. some of it is just uh, he doesn't look like he has that explosiveness. I don't know if that's because he's mostly just been off and on banged up, you know, or if He's just not that dude. I'm not really sure. But I, I do wonder, too, like, like I said, I haven't gone back and rewatched anything. And I was at the game, so, you know, you got some limited views of stuff. Yeah. But uh, in the second half, there was a flip-flop. There was a flip between the QB run hurting us to the QB run not being a thing and the mm-hmm. outside zone causing us problems, which just immediately red flag made me think. Well, not so much red flag, but 
alert made me think, okay, what did we what are we doing differently? Did we change mm-hmm. something differently to deal with the quarterback run? And that sort of leaves you a little susceptible on some of those edges. On on one of those times, Munden was the guy left spying Cook, and uh, Munden was looking a little too much at the skin color and not looking at the dude running past him. And got took a bad angle. Mm-hmm. A couple more things as we get ready to close out. We've asked this question before, and then I want to talk a little bit about special teams, actually, believe it or not, and then spend a few minutes projecting. Okay, back to the question we asked before. Is this the worst Kirby Smart team since 2016? So if if we're going by the numbers, this team right now is number five out of okay. seven Kirby teams that all you know asterisk non twenty sixteen. Who are they ahead of? Ahead uh, of the twenty twenty COVID team and the okay. twenty nineteen Coley team. The twenty twenty COVID team didn't have a quarterback until like the last four games. Okay. Yeah, and so I don't know how this team would compare to the final version of the 2020 COVID team, I think that would probably With JT be Daniels. Yeah. That's a different team. A lot yeah, more. Even. That's a different team. Yeah. Cause that 2020 defense was serious, but that 2020 team has a lot of uh, Stetson Bennett impromptu Arkansas and some yeah. Dwan Mathis. Cause Dwan Stetson, Mathis. Was, Stetson was hurt, whatever. So the, the only team that it, it statistically that is really clearly ahead of is the 2019 Coley team. Cause that offense was just, yeah. A problem. And Jake Fromm went backwards that year. Uh Jay, what are you what are your thoughts on this one? It's I mean, it's close to it's obviously better than 16. I've also got it better than 19 and 20. To me, it's awfully 18, close 20. to the 2018 team. I, I I think you could take one or the other. I mean, I'm taking Carson Beck over Jake Fromm. Um, I don't know how many people are arguing that the other way. <laughs> um Pop pop quiz leading receiver from the 2018 team. Anybody? I bet you can't get it. No. Uh, Okay, I'm getting my years. Okay, because 19 was the Coley year. Oh, it was Lawrence Cager. That's right. 2018. No, Cager. Cager was only there in 19 with Coley, Uh, and he only played like half the season. Go ahead and give it to us as we're out of time. Riley Ridley. Oh, that's not crazy, but yeah, you had him and Nicole Hardman. That's right. We did have Miko. And, and you had ago. DeAndre Swift. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Swift and Holyfield that year. Elijah Holyfield. Better running backs than thought about forever. Well you, well, you probably still had Andrew Thomas. You probably still had, you know, that that 28 team had some serious players on it. Yeah. That you think about that. You're like, could you if you put DeAndre Swift on this team? Oh, we're winning the Natty. Yeah. And, oh, like oh my gosh, and and you know that would be not nice. the same all the way through the season too. So that's, it's like if you're fair. if you're looking at the second half 2018 team, that's the team where Jordan Davis is playing and no mm. one can run on them. Mm. So it's you know, they they were no joke just because they lost to some good teams. You know, but the teams that team lost to, uh, we haven't played anybody that good yet this season. So. 2018 defense leading tacklers, Richard LeCount, J.R. Reed, Reed, Monty Rice, Jonathan Ledbetter, Tay Crowder. Yeah. You just named five NFL players. Yep. Yeah. um, Just because I know some of you people do love the nerdy stuff. We talked about the offense being good. Uh, We're eighth in yards per game at 45. Before the Missouri game, we were averaging over 500 yards a game, which is absurd. We're ninth in points per game at 38. Um, Eight, and this is a big one here. We're eighth in yards per play at 6.8, which is always a great indicator. If you're over seven, you're elite. Wouldn't you agree with that, Scott? 
typically. Yeah, and, and I think where we are in yards per play, yards per game, points per game, all pretty much in line. All yeah, good. Yeah. None of them quite elite. Yeah. Not quite as good as last year, especially in yards per play. Yeah, but we're still over good. seven. Uh, yeah. Number one in third down conversions, which has been consistent all year. A lot of that is because we can pass protect, and Carson Beck's really good. We've already touched on that. Defensive stats, eighth in points per game. I had it at 15.3. Scott, you had a little higher at 16.5. I might have just looked at the wrong numbers. Um, six in yards per game. This is a really interesting one. Six in yards per play, which is really a good indicator of how um, efficient our defense has been. Uh, 30-30 yards per carry, but it's still only at 3.6. It's just not under three like it's been in the last few years. But some of the last couple of years, it's closer to two. Yeah, right? I know. This it's is, been it's yeah. been stupid. And then special teams. We dumped on that freshman kicker a few weeks ago. He ain't missed a kick since, man. He ain't missed a kick since then. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Brett Thorson has had a punt return this season. I thought that was a fake stat. Okay. On the, on the special teams has been good train. Can we talk about how mean the special teams was to the Missouri kick returner? <laughs> because that dude, they were like, oh, yeah, we're making him return this. <laughs> like they kicked a line drive at him. So he had to return it. And then they were just over and over and over again trying to kick it high to the one yard line. Just to be like, you have to return it. I dare you to return. It's like better fair case he, that thing. he got popped pretty good on the line drive one, I think. And then. He got destroyed returning it on a high one at the one. And then after that, we kept doing the same thing. And it was like, fair catch, fair catch. The coaches, I mean, he got his butt chewed out. And listen, don't don't forget about the other side of the special teams. We talked about it last pod. David, your boy. Ball on the ground, man. Makai Muse. I'm telling you, he, he makes he a when difference. When he catches it. He absolutely mm, does. He's been a little too scary <laughs> lately. <laughs> Makai, you're listening to this. As this, someone that is a fan of you since you've been in high school. Stop putting the ball on the ground, my man. By the way, funny 10 second right. story. We have not set up a kickoff or a punt return all year. Drew one up. Amazing punt return. We run it perfectly. The sideline's open. My junior punt returner has done it since he was a freshman. Muffs the punt. He looks up. He sees green grass and muffs it. All the other guys are like, no. All right, anyways, we're about to run out of time. <laughs> Quickly, before we run out of time, this is gonna, you'll give me like a 30-second answer to this. More likely to beat us, Tennessee or Ole Miss? Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. okay. And is it because of the defense? That and being on the road. That's fair. That's fair. And being on okay. the road. That's, okay. that's the answer. And that's just so we're right. clear, Tennessee, y'all, if you're not familiar with Tennessee this year, they're good on defense, top 20 defense in every statistical category. They lead the SEC in rushing and the third in the country in rushing. People don't realize that. They're still picturing the Hinton Hooker Tennessee teams, who still ran the ball, but 227 yards a game. They pound it with three different running backs who are all good and Joe Melton himself. And let me ask you this, this is the last question. You got about 20 seconds to answer. Most likely outcome for the last four games of the year. Undefeated going to the SC championship, or we lose one of these last three. I'm tech, you're improved, but we ain't losing to you. So what do y'all think? Most likely outcome is undefeated going into the SEC championship game. Scott. Yeah, I think so. I think that's it's 60-40. I think that's barely more, more likely. likely, but not a guarantee. Yeah. All right. Well, y'all, that's all we, the time we have for uh, right now. We'll do another one of these, hopefully before the SC Championship game we're playing in it. Scott, let's sign it off. Tell the people, adios. I think we're going to lose Bama and miss playoffs. And Jonathan, tell the people, adios. Scott, you hush your mouth. This has been David Thay, Scott the Stat Assassin, and Dr. J for the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.